If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Hey, it's Glennis here. Just to let you know that even though the quality in this audio isn't first rate, the information certainly is. Please excuse the audio quality and focus on the education and what you'll learn in this interview. Today I'd like to introduce Anne Smith. Anne's a dressage rider, trainer and coach who's been riding and competing up to Grand Prix. How are you today, Anne? I'm well, thank you, Glennis. Great. Anne, we're going to start you off with your favourite quote. It could be an inspirational quote or a quote that you use often when you're teaching. It's one I heard in Strictly Ballroom many years ago. A life lived in fear is a life half-lived. So basically, just give it a go, you know, when you're riding, even in general life philosophy, just, yeah, give it a go. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good one. It is. It's something that I think a lot of our guests live by, you know, that they do give it a go and they do get that extra bravery, extra confidence to just, yeah, just give it a go. All right, now how's that helped you? Thinking about, you know, when did you first hear it? When did you have to make a decision where this has come into play? Yeah, like I said, just um, over in general, I guess, it's just making decisions when you're riding, when you're on the horse, off the horse. At the end of the day, it's always just like, well, if I don't give it a go, we're not going to know mm, <laughs> how mm, it's going to mm. work out, whether it's to enter a competition, whether, you know, even in training, do I need a bit more bend or do I need a bit more forward? Yep. Simple things like that. Okay. Okay, good, good. And just tell us how you've started with horses. Yeah, I was nine and mm-hmm. I became friends with a girl that had horses. I didn't have anything to do with horses before then. And uh, we became good friends and her mum was the chief riding instructor at the local pony club. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, became good friends. Yeah, so I guess my biggest job was then to convince my parents that I wanted a pony and needed a pony. So um, after their convincing and... Uh, yeah, I eventually got a pony and, you know, stuck with it, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, did you stick with it when you first left school or did you have horses and worked another job? How did that work? Did you always know that you wanted to become a coach and do something a bit more professional with horses? Yeah, I did. But, um, you know, obviously the odds aren't always good to um, do that. But I did. I did, I did homeschooling from year nine because mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to to see like riding the horses, training horses, and so I did that and went on obviously into my EA coaching certificates, you know, just after the one general and went on from there basically. But I did have other jobs in between, you know, I was a gymnastics coach for a while and um, even a photography, so Santa photographs, you know, just to, just to make do, I guess. And eventually, you know, everything built up so I could do this full time, I guess. Mm. 
Yeah, and I think other people do, you know, still have that in the back of their mind. This is what I want to do. I do have to work this other job. Now I do have to go to work. I do have to do this. But my passion is, you know, that long-term goal of being a professional. Yeah. 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 And also, too, just about the qualifications. I think that, you know, if people think about being a professional, the qualifications are so important. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that's definitely um, going through the EA training system. We're now level two specialists. I think mm-hmm. that's definitely helped with the foundation of the career path, for yep. sure. Good, so, yeah, good, All right. Now, just thinking, if you're going to advise someone, you know, some of your students or someone who's going to ask you or think about yourself when you're first leaving school, sometimes you see people and you just go, right, you will be really good working with horses, but there's others that you just think, no, I don't know, I don't think so. What what sort of core skills do you think people need to be able to work in the horse industry? First of all, you know, um, you need a lot of passion for horses and a lot of those people do have that. But, you know, once it becomes a, a job or your profession, it is, it's hard work. It's more than just love. You've actually, you know, you need some basic, um, some business skills as well and and a knowledge for horsemanship as well as riding, I guess, like we mentioned about going on and getting those qualifications. But I would have to say mostly you need people skills. And I guess that's running any small business, but we all know what horse people are like or, you know, people in general. And, you know, if you can get along with people and, and deal with a wide variety of people, then that's just a really core skill that you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a lot of people start working with horses, but not a lot go through and get to the stage where they're riding and competing Grand Prix. What do you think that you've had or what do you think other elite riders have that those starting off in the horse industry don't have and don't follow through with? I guess, you know, as you start out and things grow, but it's support from family or other support networks that you have around. And then, of course, you know, you do have to prove yourself I guess, in the competition arena and as well as, as coaching, you know, obviously proves that, you know, your coach skills um, are valuable when people are improving their own skills through your coaching. So, yeah, it's something that grows, but um, I guess it's it's important, yeah, your support network and, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about your support network and people who've helped you and supported you and influenced you. Who in particular are those people in your life? Well, I guess you can always say, you know, right from the start, your parents. I mean, that was that was a big thing to even let, you know, sort of left school when I was 17 and followed my dream of, you know, riding and competing and coaching mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And they definitely pushed me that I had to be qualified and follow those paths. So my parents and my family, you know, right from the start. And at this moment, it's my husband and, and even my children, you know, they're really supportive. And I guess, you know, you have instructors along the way and, one of our local greats, Erica Taylor, you know, she's just talking to her. She's amazing. So I got to know her um, quite a bit as mm-hmm. well. And yep. uh, on an international level, when you watch the likes of, of you know, Charlotte and Allegro, and, you know, you know, it's all sort of support, isn't it? It's all, it gives you that goal and focus and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What about horses who've influenced you? You've just retired your Grand Prix horse. I have now. He has been my biggest influence. I, yeah, I, I started him and then trained him all the way through. And okay, so what's his name? His name's Miracle, and yeah, so I started him as a five-year-old, believe it or not. And you know, in the six years he was training Grand Prix, so mm-hmm. uh, I guess he's, he's just yeah, so trainable um, right from the start. But you know, although you learn something from every horse. Yes, yes. 
yep. those hot thoroughbreds that you used to ride and, and you know, <laughs> on the warm. <laughs> yep. And, yeah, yeah, love the warm bloods now, obviously, and, and dressage, so. Okay. And what about your proudest moment? What do you think that's going to be or has been? I guess, as I mentioned, you know, it's not just one moment, but actually starting a horse from the very start and then, you know, all the blood, sweat and tears that you put in all those years to actually train and then you make it and, you know, you have to have a Grand Prix horse. But, so it's a continuous proud moment, I would have to say. But, yep. um, it is It is definitely lovely to be competing at, you know, state and national championships and be recognised. But training at home of any horse really is great. But, yeah, definitely proud to have produced, you know, sort of all by myself and, and that sort of thing. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. All right. Now, you've done a bit of freestyle, Anne. Can you, in your own words, just explain what a freestyle competition is? Well, I guess it's a, it's dressed up to music, basically, and I think it, it gives you a chance to show off you and your horse's talent and be expressive about it. And, you know, I guess, yeah, it does put it, you can put a bit of your own personality into the test for the judges and the audience as well, because often the audience, you know, likes to get into it. So, um, yeah, you get to make your own cares, get to choose your own music. So it, it is, it gets, it, it's like a showpiece, I guess, you can show off your horse. If someone comes to you, and, and this is for our listeners, you know, if they say, I'm thinking there's a, a freestyle competition coming up, I'd love to nominate, I don't even know where to start. What would you think if you were going to go into a freestyle? Where do you start? Do you pick the music? Do you, do you work out the test? You tell me. Yeah, well, normally um, a student came to me and said they wanted to do a freestyle and find out what level they wanted to ride to and, you know, all the directives are obviously online on the EA website, so I find out what what they've got to do. And, I mean, first of all, I just ask them, well, what, what music do you like and what do you think would suit your horse? You know, so I do normally start off, because that, that creates their enthusiasm quite quickly as to, you know, what music that, you know, it has to work both ways. It has to suit the horse. I can't just pick something, you know, totally random, but start chatting about that. And then, you know, they like to do their test planning, which is which is fine, obviously, to the time that are restricted. So, and also finding how they can show off their skills at that level, you know, that degree of difficulty and the technicality that they, they wish to choose too. And then, you know, you get into the nitty-gritty of at the time again. And usually, you know, I encourage them to use a metronome and to count the, you know, footfalls of the horse and that sort of thing, or the beats per I'm minute. I'm going to inter- interrupt you there, just for people who don't know what a metronome, if you can explain that. Well, quite often you hear them on your phones even these days, mm-hmm. and it just does, it, you can set the timing of the stride of your horse or the beat, you yep. know, and then you can, it, it just, it sort of makes a dit, 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 like a noise, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and you set the time of your horse, you can actually count you know, the beat per minute. So then you want to find music with very similar timing, basically. So really they've got to look at music for that particular horse. They can't come in and say, I think this will be wonderful if they haven't actually used the metronome to work out if it's the same tempo for the horse and, and same te- beat for the music. So, That's right. Yeah. Yeah, too much. I mean, yeah, they could, they could choose some lovely music, but it's not going to go at all. I mean... Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty crazy with computer programming. It programs, of course, on your computer. You can slow music down and quicken them as well. So there's a little bit of leeway, but, yes, the song wouldn't sound the same if it's got a really quick, you know, beat to it and you want to <laughs> using it. It wouldn't work. So, yep. so yeah, it's 
that real compromise with the music as to what the rider likes and what's actually going to keep their horse, basically. Okay, no, that's good. That's that's good. All right. Um, and then, sorry, and I interrupted you there. You talked about doing the test, doing the music. Keep going with how you're going to train your student about the freestyle. Oh, well, once, I guess once here we've got the music and, and planning the test, as I said, it's just a matter of deciding on the degree of difficulty and how reliable is the horse to, you know, produce certain movements at certain times and how close they're going to, you know, put difficult movements together and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, once again, that's down to every individual combination anyway. So, um, okay. So yeah, it can be very simple. We can make it quite, you know, quite complicated. And then the competition, what about, is it a matter of just saying this is my music to play it? Because sometimes at big competitions, do you advise that they halt at E or B and then drop their hand or, you know, who just if you can talk a bit more about the timing of the music, should they time it? Yeah, normally, I mean, you've got some 20-second entry music. So roughly, depending on how you enter in, um, normally... If you're at um, V or P and raise your hand mm-hmm. there, and you've got your 20 seconds to come around and enter at A and then, you know, halt somewhere on the centre line. Yeah, it does vary a bit, I guess, depending whether you're going to halt at D in the right of the, the beginning of the arena or you might end up halting up at G. Maybe. Um, so, yeah, it does. But as a general rule, I advise them, you know, you should raise, you know, halt near V or P and okay. raise your hand there. Mm. All right. No, that's that's good. All right. Now, just going along, if you can put on your coach's cap and think about a common problem that you see with your riders, something that you might see again and again, something that you may have even seen a coach, another coach or another rider be, and you, you know, you think, oh, I could just fix that. I'd like to hear about a common dressage problem, but also how to fix it. Okay. Fit trot is um, a common problem and it's rise really struggle with it. So um, to practice that, I get the riders, you know, sitting on the horse, counting the beat of the trot, you know, two beat, and I explain that they've got their feet bones and the horse is moving their hind legs left and right as well. So, you know, when the, the horse's hind legs off the ground and their left feet bone is dipping down, you know, they want to drop their left feet bone with the horse's hip and, and vice versa on the right. So... You know, explain the horse's back, you know, going each side as well as going forward. So I count them in a rhythm with their hips, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right. And they've got to sort of transfer that weight, you know, down into their heel as well. So just to develop a bit more feel in the citrot and sitting, you know, into the horse's citrot. And to keep them relaxed instead of, you know, everyone getting tense in the citrot and trying to hold themselves in. You know, quite often say just sit like a sack of potatoes for a little while and relax and feel that rhythm, that left-right rhythm with their feet bones, you know, down into those heels. Yep, yep. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, anyone that's had trouble with this sitting trot can listen to that and, um, you know, even just go back and listen to it a few times and go, right, and even visualise it the next time I go and sit on my horse. That's what I'm, exactly what I'm going to do. Or else be listening to the interview while they're riding, you know, just so they can think of those tips and and um, help them with their sitting trot. That's good. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is online 
horsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. Okay, is there um, a book that you've got that you would recommend for our listeners? Something that might have helped you, helped you along your way and one that you can recommend to others? I guess for, um, obviously, you know, do my coaching certificates, but as well as just general, you know, reading for an easy understanding, we use the principles of writing mm-hmm. um, for coaching and, you know, it's the official um, instruction handbook for the German and National Equestrian Federation. So we use that here as well. I just think it's just, you know, it's just good, basic sort of knowledge for everyone and um, and a good foundation. So. Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend um, reading that one. I think that's got to be our most popular recommended book, actually. Oh, <laughs> and and you know why I particularly like it? I like it because at a really basic level, it's got heaps of great stuff, right? But then yeah. as a coach, you can go back again and go, ah, oh, and get more out of it. You know, it's almost like you're just squeezing more information out of it as well yeah and then of course there's the advanced principles um to go on from there but I think even just that principles of writing it's it's something you use as a textbook and you can just keep using it again and again and again yeah absolutely yes definitely keep preparing back to it that's wonderful mm. all right and have you got any young horses what are you looking forward to um I've got um a young horse so mm-hmm. we are bred him he's, um, by Donna Boots. So I've taken him up to the level so far. As I said, this turns well during the six-year-old classes. Um, he is massive. He's seventeen three, and I'm not so tall. So that's <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's a journey so far, and um, I actually am really enjoying training and riding him now. So I guess to see how you know, I'm fairly confident that he's going to go up to the levels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the difference, how big was your other horse? I'm going to 16.2. Okay, so going from 16.2 to 17.3. How about the difference in, in riding? How, you know, the just the application of the aids, the forward movement, the the turning, the bending, is is there a lot of difference? If you could just talk about um, that, be good. Yeah, no, um, certainly the movement is, is a lot different. I have mm-hmm. to be a lot stronger. In my core, you know, to, to sit trot to your horse. I've been very lucky that you know, young horses supple, and that's one of the things I really promote in my coaching as well, I guess. So he's actually the turning, I mean, he, just, he is big, but you know, you feel like when you first start, like you're turning a big mat truck around the front of the dress arena, but um, <laughs> he's getting better and, and easier and easier. So, and I, I guess that is the other thing with big horses, they just take that bit longer to strengthen, you know, and I think, oh, a big horse is strong. Well, they're actually not really, you know, they uh-huh. take a bit more adjusting and time to um, invade the hocks and use yep. themselves a bit better. So, yeah. And then just to do with being stronger in your core, do you do any complementary exercise like yoga and Pilates or you just keep riding and, and um, use that to strengthen? I don't go to necessarily um, classes to do those things, but I do, you know, I don't mind going to sit up and, and just, I do a lot of just general work around the property anyway, so I do keep fit mm-hmm. but um, I just do really basic exercises to keep strong through the core, but yep. um, yeah, highly recommend doing Pilates and yoga and that sort of thing because they are great. Yep, yep. Okay. If you can sum up your philosophy, that'd be great. 
you know, just what, what we've talked about today. So sum up your philosophy so people have got something to take away with them and think about during the day. I think confidence. You know, if, if you're confident in what you're doing and your horse is confident in what you're doing, then, then you'll be successful. I think, um, you know, I follow the German writing scale and, and, you know, relaxation comes into that confidence really comes into that confidence and it flows on, you know, you contact everything, it's confidence. And I would encourage my riders to, you know, ride up that centre line and consider basically and uh, be very confident in what they're doing. Mm, mm. And I think if you went back to the quote you used at the beginning, a life lived in fear is a life half lived. You know, sometimes it's the confidence to just expand your boundaries, you know, to expand yes. your boundaries into that almost difficult boundary but then as you become more confident in that you can just expand your boundaries a bit more yeah 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 yeah. take a big deep breath and go (laughs) (laughs) and how can people contact you i guess the easiest way is um i've got a um a facebook business page yes and it's dressage so that's the easiest way and that's got my email and uh, phone number linked to that anyway all right, yeah. so that's um, the other thing is too that those contact details will be on the Horse Chat site, your page there, which will be horsechats.com slash Smith. Okay, all right. And it's been great talking to you today. I think the sitting trot exercises, hopefully people will be doing some visualisation, improving their sitting trot. And um, the freestyle information you gave the listeners was really good as well. So that will give people the confidence to go on and do some freestyle. Yeah. Thanks very much for talking to us today and I'll hopefully talk to you again sometime. Thank you so much, Bernice. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 